Hey there, thanks for listening. Quick question for you. Did you know that the one rental at a time book self-published on Amazon was actually selected by Forbes Real Estate Council as one of the 15 essential books you must read before getting started in real estate? Quite the accomplishment. It's actually book number three. Go check it out on Amazon. One Rental at a Time, written by yours truly, Michael Zuba. Hey everyone, I have a very exciting show for you today. I have someone who reached out to me and brought up an idea or a concept and I'm like, wow, I got to get this guy on. But before we jump into that, let's welcome Chris Jackson to the show. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Excellent, man. Why don't you just quickly give your bio, who you are, what you do in this crazy world of real estate, and then we'll get into the topic at hand. Sure. Uh, Chris Jackson, Sharpline Equity. I've been real estate investing for about 10 years. Uh, started out small multifamily and now uh, began into syndication in the last five years. Have five full cycle multifamily projects under my belt from uh, purchase, finding purchase, raising money, uh, repositioning, refinancing, selling. And now we have a little over 300 units uh, across the uh, southeast and in upstate New York. And, uh, but we have done about 500 unit transactions. We sold a bunch in the last 18 months. Well, uh, first off, I have to follow you around because you have the best timing of anybody I've ever met, right? To do a value add multifamily starting five years ago. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, in my opinion, you couldn't have picked a better time, right? But I started in 2009 and 10 and I had no idea what I was doing and I had no idea that this was the bottom and <laughs> I should have bought more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should have doubled and tripled down, right? If we only knew, right? If we only had somebody telling us that this was the bottom, but uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that uh, just because I like to I like to put numbers on things. You you said you started in small multifamily. Yes. Was that just kind of you as the owner buying duplexes and quads, or I, what? What is small? I wanted to be in commercial, so I okay. did purchase a five unit. Huh. It took me about a year to find it. Raised money, uh, did did a, a full cash deal, but with a private note. And then a year later, I bought an eight unit with a commercial loan. Okay. Uh, in 2010 which was basically impossible to get a commercial loan. And I pretty much had to collateralize my poodle in order to get <laughs> Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, so again, small, so always commercial, right? Five. Yeah. I mean, just totally out of left field. Any idea why a four is residential and five is commercial? I mean, have you ever figured it out? Why I, you... Nope. No idea. It's just nutty. <laughs> right? I mean, why, why does that fifth, fifth door, fifth utility meter make you, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the demarcation would be either, but if I was to pick one, I feel like six to eight is like a, a gray area. 10, definitely, I guess. Yeah, 10, I would always think 10. 10 would make much more sense. You know, probably multiple buildings. Because you do, I mean, I own several five units and it's one, it's like a duplex with more front doors. I mean, right. it's, it's one roof. It's, I mean, but 10, you know, usually they're divided. There's a courtyard in the middle. Maybe it's U-shaped. Anyways, I digress. I, I just... Somebody's going to tell me one day why five is commercial. But. Oh, but, but I have done, in, in the middle of that, I have done uh, single families. I have, oh, okay. we, we had about 40 at one point, sold, sold 10 to 12. Uh, but I've, I've done the single family thing too. And wholesale. Right. Oh, wow, dude. You, you're, and again, this all started in 09. So again, yes. uh, bottom of the market, just crushing it. Uh, Oh man, we're going to have some fun. So we're, but, not, we're getting... but, not, but not thinking I'm crushing it when I started out. I didn't think I was crushing it. 
<laughs> yeah. You, who knew? Who knew? Uh, but let's get into the topic at hand. You, you reached out, you communicated to me. We have a couple of contacts, you know, points of contact that, that we're friends with. And uh, you had a phrase that just lit me up. And I'm like, I got to figure out what he means by that. And it was cap rate tsunami. That is cap coming. X tsunami. Oh, I'm sorry. Cap X tsunami is coming. What, uh, what do you mean by that? So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. It's from a friend of mine named Bill Hamm. And okay. he's a multifamily investor. So he coined this phrase. I'll give him that. But uh, oh, Well, just should, do it should, once. Should, After now, it's yours. <laughs> right. I think I'm doing the first podcast about it. So that'll be a little asterisk. There you uh, go. <laughs> there's a lot of inexperience coming into multifamily. Mm-hmm. And they're getting into small and large deals. And they're getting into uh, some older products because – you know, it's the C-class uh, attraction of raising rents, workforce housing. Yeah. But these also tend to be older class properties, pre-1980s, 70s, 60s, 50s. And these older properties are starting to have some of their major mechanicals and major CapEx items reach their end of their serviceable life, like underground piping, not the unit piping in each of the units, which everybody kind of, oh, is it blue poly? Is it copper? I'm talking about galvanized mainline water, not even sewer. Yes, that's part of this, but like mainline water galvanized where you pay when there's leaks. Yes. We've had two properties already, one of which we sold. And when we sold, we told the buyer like, you're like, you're going to pay more if we do it, or you're going to take this slight discount and do it yourself. But it's here. Yeah. Uh, galvanized piping underneath. And we have a 174 unit that we purchased a year ago. And we had an idea that this was going to be a problem. Uh, it's 1971 built. Oh, okay, yeah. We saw some uh, water bills fluctuating, and we were like, oh, man, maybe we can whack-a-mole and, and fix this. So after 2,000, 3,000, 2,000 whack-a-mole fixes, and you still didn't solve the problem, we started getting quotes, and we redid the galvanized pipes underneath to PVC and did main shutoff valves to every yeah. single one of the buildings. And our uh, water bill went from twenty-one thousand to eleven, and awesome. we paid hundred grand. That's where I was going. So what that cost you? <laughs> that's a ten-year payback right there. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, but the next buyer will appreciate that work because not every buyer really is interested in doing that kind of. Heavy oh no, work. that's that's a heavy lift. Yeah, that's. So, but this is coming. Windows. Roo- I mean, everybody talks roofs. about roofs right now, yeah, like windows, roofs. Roofs are needed. Like, like you're reaching the 20 year from the seventies uh, and eighties build boom. Yep. But what's, what I've noticed in the multifamily space and maybe even in the single family space is everybody's kind of okay with chucking on a roof. Like, you know, it's expensive, but it's like, I know I have to do it. It's not that beastie. Yeah. But you start talking about, Oh, you got to rip up the ground and do sewers and underground piping and windows that cost a million dollars on a 200 unit complex. That's yeah. not, that's not the same conversation anymore. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up and I see that a lot, right? I, I play, you know, I play in the 20 units and below market. That's kind of where I am. But yeah, I mean, when I, when I'm selling now because I think we're top of market, this frenzy is just nutty. And yeah, a, a couple of my units have needed immediate investments. Everybody's okay with the roof. It's like that roof is shut. I'm like, yeah, you can see that. It, you know, you need a new one. Congratulations. <laughs> but you're right. Nobody has asked about, you know, the plumbing, the water, right? Nobody, nobody has asked. That's interesting. And that, yeah. I mean, even on single family homes, I mean, stuff in upstate New York, we've had to do $4,000 digs for sewer. Oh yeah. I've had that. 
Yeah. My greatest expense in 2009 and 10 were actually water lines because I bought so many vacant homes. It's oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. Tree roots would get in because yeah. there was no water. And then suddenly you turn on the water and then the tree roots expand and pop. And then you have uh, bellies that get created. Yeah. That, and sometimes like it's just not an easy fix. You're there already. So let's just do the water line. Yeah. And, and people don't talk about this. I mean, this happens in multifamily too, like you, except it costs more. I was going to say, yeah, the numbers are much, much <laughs> larger, right? I, I can get a, I can get a water line done for about $4,000 uh, for a house and it's, it's a hundred grand for a, you know, I think it was, you said 74 units or something. It's just, ah, that's, that's a big, if number. anybody's out there looking for a business idea, I know a couple of people that are doing it, but if you're a plumber with business acumen and have a uh, experience in the commercial plumbing zone, start a commercial plumbing business. Like there is so oh. much need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, so let's talk about this, right? This CapEx tsunami that's coming yeah. uh, just a little bit more. Cause I just, I, I can sense a vibration yeah. with new investors and they're so excited yeah. and they're looking at what I consider to be I'm not going to necessarily say they're lying spreadsheets or numbers or, you know, per, whatever. Looks good on paper. Looks good. It look, Excel, man. Excel is the greatest enemy of new investors because you can always make the numbers look good. Um, let's give some words of advice. I mean, you know, again, like let's, let's remove the roof because everybody can look at a roof and go, hey, that's old. But yeah. they, I mean, let, let's take a hundred unit building, just, just a hundred unit building. What should somebody be prepared to spend working on mechanicals down just so they can make their spreadsheets look ugly? Like, so let's work down. So from the roof, not doing roof. Windows are the next thing. Windows. I mean, we're doing, uh, we have a 96 unit building. So I have a perfect example. Okay, let's do 96. 1985 built. And we did that on purpose because it's newer and has PVC pipes underneath. But uh, it needs new windows. 290 windows will cost us we're getting a good deal. We also, we know how to negotiate and finish. Sure. So if you don't know what you're doing, like add 30% to this. Okay. Uh, like uh, we're going to pay probably in the end, we're getting quotes of 80. That really means 95. Yeah. All right. So 95 grand for new windows, 290 windows. That's about right. Yeah. All right. So 95 grand for new windows. Um, so going down from there, what are we talking next? Is next just plumbing, uh, electrical, or where do you want to go next? Uh, you can look at electrical, but I mean, if you look at your panels and your panels are good, yeah, uh, not not any uh, aluminum wiring or things like that. I mean, it's 1985, so I'm not going to have yeah. a knob and tube gonna... like 1906. Style. Yeah, uh, but like, okay, so panels are good. You yep. then what people forget is uh, water heaters. Oh. Yes, water heaters. That's, yeah. That that pricing is going to vary. I don't even want to peg a number on there, but just anywhere from three hundred to eight hundred. I don't know, depending on the size of your water heater. Yeah, it's it's yeah. My, my world out here in California is more like six to nine hundred. But yeah, I mean, again, right? Times number of units. Yeah, I mean, you could have your 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 in unit, let's say, like a studio, and that could be your lower cost. And yeah, it that's may, true. You may not have to replace the entire thing too. So you have to go yeah. look around, and that's where you have your inspector go in and be like. Because a lot of people are doing inspections and they're not even going into every unit. It's like the inspector comes back, gives them a report, and they didn't, they, they're not making any judgment call. Sometimes they're actually over capexing just to be safe, and then you're not going to get a deal. Yeah, so exactly. you may have half of your water heaters that you can get away with for a year, but yeah. you should have money for it coming from somewhere, year two, three, five, whatever. Yeah. And then you got heating and cooling. I mean, that's, oh I mean, that's, that's expensive, man. Those freaking yeah. dual packs. 
Oh. So what we found, and this is an interesting thing for multifamily investors. Uh, I guess this doesn't really happen in single family as much, but so you have through the wall AC yep. uh, that are going to be your units and you're going to hit a rent cap with that because people want the central air. Yep. But from a CapEx perspective, it's pretty easy to go in and just wipe away a hundred dollars a unit, 150 a unit and get a new AC and you're done. You get into condensers and everything. You're talking 2,500 to 6,000, depending on the, the size. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, this is going to be, this is going to be crazy. And then you have sewer and water just kind of working its way down. Sewer, water, uh, the windows, the sliding doors. Oh, oh sliding God. doors. Big, yeah. Big sliding oh, doors. Sli <laughs> we, we're going to get this big red push, but your sliding door, it like creaks and it doesn't <laughs> it only go up. It's halfway. It comes <laughs> off the hinges. Yeah. And that's, that's not $200. A no. sliding new, <laughs> that's like a G. <laughs> yeah, it's at least a thousand bucks. Yeah. My. You have that. Oh, oh, uh, ceiling and striping parking lots. Oh, yeah. Oh, the parking. Yeah, exactly. Parking. Yeah, that's not cheap. Re um, yeah, resealing. Heaven power, forbid. Power washing. You have a you have to power wash your, your, your buildings. You get the, the algae buildup with yeah, the, the exterior sunlight. Just looks like crap. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much. There's like, it's very easy to spend a lot of money and feel like you didn't even do anything. Yeah, you had to do the work. <laughs> you had to do the yeah. So th this is this is what I'm hoping people that are watching this that are interested in multifamily really realize that they could they could go years without having really true cash flow. Yeah, I mean that's why like we don't have a ton of units. I know it's like this huge thing of like, oh man, how many units do you have? We can get into that next, but like yeah. you know what? we 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 only have 300 units, but it's like by design, we're growing organically. And when you really put in the right CapEx numbers to do it right and have a long-term hold or even a five-year hold, and you want to provide returns to your investors properly without hurting reinvestment into the property correctly, yeah. you're going to miss out on a lot of deals right now. You, or you should walk away from a lot of deals, actually. I shouldn't sure. say deals. You should walk away from opportunities. You know, you should run. There are, I mean, I haven't seen a good, I haven't seen a good on market, right? Kind of, you know, PDF, you know, you know, what do you want to call it? Pamphlet in two years, like something yes. I would really consider buying. Yeah. I mean, at like least two my, years. my job is more of like the deal finder relationship, uh, strategy piece. My partner, Chris is more of an attorney. She's the asset management piece. Uh, but we overlap in asset management sure. as well. But I'm out there every day, like really like processing opportunities all day long. And I know everybody says, oh, I had to write a hundred to get to one and all that. But like the amount of effort really takes full time to get a real multifamily deal is pretty expensive. Yeah, I would tell, again, we'll see if you agree. And I'm a pro, I'm, I'm, I'm a pro at this. I'm, I think I'm allowed to say I'm a pro now after doing this for this long. And, I, and I'm like, so no if question. you're new, it's, you gotta yeah. be very careful. Yeah, you got ten years under your belt. Congratulations, you have the pro sticker. You can you can have it. I'll, I'll send it to you in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you got it. Um, but where I was going with this, so first and foremost, you have roughly double the amount of units I have. So you know, congratulations. Um, <laughs> but there are units, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not, you know, I don't own. I, I hate this when people talk about I own. A, I have a thousand units in Atlanta. I'm like, really? What what percentage of that is yours? Two percent. Yeah. I'm like, what? We well, we. Let, let's get it. Let's get to that a little bit. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I, for our units, we are, we own a lot ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, our single family portfolio is all ours. We 
uh, my, we had small multifamily that was all ours. And in our syndication deals, we found the deal, run the deal, put money into the deal, sign on the loans and raise money. So it's the go. full suite. I don't know what acronym you name for that, but like we are the, we are the main sponsor, but we really did like sign on the whole thing. Like, yep. it's, like, and there are a fair amount of people out there right now that I, I think it's a, a good thing to get involved with some syndicators that are good. And if you can provide certain needs in a GP structure, but you understand the sophistication, yeah. sure. But there is a lot out there that's like, I have 2000 doors and they don't do anything as a GP whatsoever. Well, I'm going to, well, you're in the business. So I know you have to be nice just because other people are watching this. Guess what? I'm not raising a syndication. So I'm going to tell you what I think. (laughs) I think there's a bunch of syndicators out there that are looking to raise, looking to get paid for putting deals together and are going to crush their LPs um, when expenses rise when they have to go refi the debt in five, seven or 10 years and there's no equity left. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, yes, you as the GP, if you are raising capital, you will have to answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm raising cash today to take advantage of the signing on the loans that you get paid for as a balance sheet. You did put your name on that. Yep. And you are going to be asked by various lenders to correct the situation when it needs to be corrected. And one of those corrections could be walking away. And that would put pressure on the LP equity. And I, I think Oh, it will that, wipe out the LP equity. Like, well, <laughs> well, let me say why I say pressure. Cause I actually think if you want to get into the nuances of multifamily, sure. um, I'm not like, I'm not a super bear, but also I have a lot of years under my belt, so I'm fine. I know which ones are the right opportunities, but I see an opportunity in the future, and it would only be for sophisticated investors on uh, LP equity workouts. Oh, no, I totally agree. Yes. I'm raising cash now for those. Like it would be like, hey, this deal doesn't look like it's going that well. Do you want to work with a better sponsor that can work it out with you if you agree with us? We're going to have your equity at a discount. Yep. There is an opportunity for you to go par or win, but you have to, you have yeah. to work. Yeah. You got to go in for another five years or, you know, whatever. Yeah. There, there are going to be lots of opportunities for that. And again, I've been doing this 20 years and I remember picking up several uh, multifamilies again, smaller size, but same deal from people who over leveraged and chose to walk away. And it's going to happen again. It, it, it's the cycles repeat. And today we are in just a crazy frenzy. It's, it is absolutely, I can't say anything other than a vibration, right? I go to real estate meetups. I have this channel. I talk to people all the time and I don't know what it is about the last 90 days, but people are just all over this bigger is better. Multifamily got to be like Grant Cardone, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, you know, you know, my, my little, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the sidelines and you all run towards that cliff right over there and let me know how the view is. It's, it's scary to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've listened to your podcast. I, I feel the same way about Grant Cardone. I have nothing but respect for him and what he's accomplished. I, of course. I get that. Um, I think people miss, miss, misinterpreting the level of uh, organization he's created, the, <laughs> the deals he's buying, uh, his access to be able to buy deals and getting the call first. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I do think there, you know, there's that piece. Um, I'm actually also looking at smaller deals now with a smaller amount ah. of investors that want to hang for a long period of time. Like, I think that uh, 
syndicators today are also doing something that they don't understand really what true capital injection really is all about and how money works. Like if you go look at a deal and your roof doesn't need to be redone for five to seven years, but you have to raise all the money up front. Yeah. Um, you actually have dead money. True. So why would you be, why do you have that money now as dead money? If you have a small group of investors that really do understand and are there and understand that like, we're not going to put money into the deal right now, mm-hmm. we're going to deploy capital elsewhere uh, in that interim. But everybody agrees, whatever your pro rata share is of ownership, uh, when you're doing an X CapEx injection into the property, we're all coming to the table with pro rata injection and yeah. that's a great IRR. So that's actually like, Syndication needs to go there a little more on the understanding of where the capital injections need to work. Yeah, I think, again, not in the business, never raised, won't raise, won't be a syndicator ever. But I think you're right. I think there's two things you just brought up that people need to realize are nuanced and unique. I think anytime you can fish in a new pond that there aren't many fishermen, you're going to win. So first off, you said, or at least I heard you say, you're actually looking at smaller deals. That's genius. That little statement makes you unique because there's a lot of people jumping out of the quote unquote small deals into the bigger deals where there's so many fishermen now and there's only so many fish for sale at any one time. And oh, by the way, most of you aren't Grant Cardone and are going to get the phone call from the one-off market deal from the person who passed away and blah, blah, blah. Right. So I think that's genius. And then the other one is you're not raising all the capital now, but you're communicating Um, likely expenses in the future. So everybody's on board. I haven't seen that in any of the prospectus that have come across my desk in the last couple of years. So you're being very unique. So we we have access to a lot of equity because of our track record and that's wonderful for us. So we will still look for big deals when they make sense. They Mm -hmm. make sense less of the time now because you have so much competition because of the absolute wonderful benefits of large amounts of units. But now- you're paying a premium most of the time just to get access to the larger unit count. Yeah. You go into, so we, we've bifurcated and can do it now because we're experienced, like going after some small unit counts, getting the right types of investors that understand it. And we also have the experience to be able to manage the small unit counts to the best, yeah. uh, to, to create efficiencies better than our competitors in that, that space. So this, again, I like, uh, every time I hear words like small and big and all that, I want to put numbers around it if we can. So when you say you're looking at smaller unit counts today, is that sub 50 units? Uh, 10 to 50. I would take 10 to 50. Awesome. I would take, I would take down a, I wouldn't be stoked on just a 10 unit on its own on an Island. If I, but if I knew that I could get a 10 and then a couple months later or the year, another 10 so that the scale is growing in an area, I'm 10 to 50 all day. Oh, that's awesome. See, again, you're being unique. I haven't seen I haven't seen a I haven't seen a syndicator. Or again, like calling my syndicator is probably an insult to the word syndicator. I, most I, I, I can't believe we're saying this right now. It's happened. It like syndicator is now a bad word and it's such a shame. Well but well, they're money raisers or whatever you want. Because most yeah. of them are calling themselves syndicator and they haven't done a deal yet. And they don't even own rentals. That scares the bejesus out of me. Right, you're raising capital, and you've never owned a rent. You don't. You've never been a landlord before. That scares me to death. Um, I know, but I get what you're saying. Like syndicator, the word is becoming a bad word. I mean, I can talk about why I think that that word is good and what the benefits are of it. But that's, I get it. Like it is. Oh. It's becoming. It's becoming like a, 
a bad word and that's a shame, but that's yeah. the market cycle. Yeah. It's okay. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to differentiate yourself and you've done it twice already. So first let's step back and talk about your company again, because you have already said a couple of things that make you unique. So people looking to be LPs today in a market that if you're following me, you clearly know, I think is frenzied. Um, talk more about your company, how they can look it up, find it. Uh, let, let's stop and do that now before we go into the next topic. Sure. I mean, I'm pretty accessible on, on Facebook. Uh, we have a group uh, called Multifamily Unveiled. It's a private group that we talk about a lot of the nitty gritty that nobody really talks about, like asset management, weird things that happen in bridge loans and things <laughs> like that. Uh, uh, you can get, reach us at sharplineequity.com. And uh, so, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too. So I'm pretty available just so you can find me. Very cool. Very cool. I just want to call that out because again, any, anytime somebody puts stuff out there, I want to make sure I stop so people can go, okay, I'm going to look them up right now. Because again, you're willing, to, you're willing to fish in the 10 to 50 unit pond, which makes you unique. You're willing to have upfront conversations about future capital raises so you don't have dead money. You're doing things that make you unique and show that you have that 10 year track record. So uh, you deserve to have people check you out. Um, you. The other thing I want to talk about just because I know you a little bit is you like to tell people you're an introvert. <laughs> and I'm not buying that very much right now. <laughs> you want to talk about the personal development it takes to, to go from uh, being an introvert to, you know, now being on a, a, a Zoom call and, and ultimately seen by thousands of people? Sure. Uh, I would say that uh, I, have a, I have a similar journey, I think, in the beginning parts uh, that many people have in their real estate investing career. So I, uh, I'm 44 years old right now. And I started thinking about real estate when I was 21. And I thought about real estate and analyzed real estate for 10 years and didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. I, that I bought courses. It was Carlton Sheets World and, and <laughs> things like that. I, and I, I thought it was brilliant, but I didn't do anything. I was a, a shy person. Uh, I ultimately, that shyness uh, created uh, a path into computer programming. I became a very hardcore computer programmer for a very long time. Okay. But I realized there was something inside of me that had a bit more than just hiding behind the computer screen for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, and I could talk to other engineers and ultimately I was able to become a, a, part, a, pro a project manager, a partner at a company. But that actually came from me wanting to be a real estate investor. And when I was 10 years in, so now I'm like 32, 33, I was like, I can't talk to my wife about real estate investing anymore and not doing anything. Ah. I'm just not allowed to think about this anymore. It's like, it's like that sad moment. I guess when you realize you're an adult and sadly I'm in my thirties or something. <laughs> like, That's funny. And, and like, you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is real. Like you have to do it yourself. And uh, so I'm still computer programming pretty hardcore then. And uh, I went to a RIA and I was nervous as heck. Uh, yeah. I did not have like some project management prowess from tech to draw upon. Yeah. And I went and, like talk to people like one or two people and it was like almost too much for me wow and I, I remember and i remember being like wow how am i going to do this and it was a very slow process a very like my advice to people that are in similar situations where you hide behind engineering or analytics or you're hiding behind underwriting and multifamily or flips and you think that that's like doing stuff yeah like I, I, I feel that. And what you have to do is just be gentle. Like you can't, you're not going to be Johnny handshake yeah. day one or day three or year one. It's just not going to be there. Yeah. No, I, I think what you've just outlined is a process that 
you know, lots of people have to go through it. If you, you can just get away from the Excel spreadsheet, which is where I lived and I wrote about it in my book. I lived for five years, right? I thought the answer was Excel, right? I have an MBA, of an economics degree. I'm great with numbers. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out like nobody else before. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's all kind of the same stuff, right? It's all math. If I just have the right <laughs> modeling software, I'm going to figure out. And then you, then you realize what uh, is not in there is that the deals come from what everybody says and it goes in one ear and out the other. It comes from the relationship development. It's talk. This is a people business. One of my big 21 lessons learned I call out in the book is it's a, this is a people business, especially anytime, but especially today, right? I would guess most of your deals uh, that oh you've done are from networking or from people. Oh, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm able to now on the small deals uh, talk to direct to sellers and yeah. I'm different than everybody else because I'm, I I, I'm authentically interested in what that person has to say. I'm not looking to just say, uh, like 60%. Yeah. LTV, blah, blah, blah. Of ARV or whatever. Like, yeah, whatever, yeah. And it, like, they just, they've had these calls all day. My introversion that has allowed my extroversion to come out an ambervert, uh, <laughs> allows me to spend time with people. I'm not the, I'm not the guy that's going to have a huge pipeline of, uh, opportunities and people all the time. That's just not my zone. I don't want to be yeah. there, but I'm okay with spending a lot of time with a smaller amount of people. And I create very strong, authentic uh, relationships very quickly. Yeah. Well, the key is to know thyself, right? Know thyself, be authentic. And people pick up on that. Um, all the deals that I've added to our buy and hold portfolio the last two years have come from past dealings, relationships, right? Yeah. And, and when you raise money, whether you're a single family home uh, mm-hmm. person, whether flips or hold or small multifamily or larger multifamily and, you do have to get involved with a raising of capital at mm-hmm. some point in your career. I think being an introvert, but not like a, not like a, a, a fearful in, introvert. Cause then, it, then you're not going to, then you're not going to be yourself. Yeah. You have that confidence and you allow your introversion to be who you are. Uh, you, you actually can raise money really, really effectively because people understand that they're like, Oh, I, I, I want to work with this person. Yeah. Well, people pick up on it, right? People, yeah. People pick up on it. Um, and they don't feel like they're being sold. Yeah. Right. They're just I'm a really bad salesman, actually. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, I, I, I don't have the like lines that are going to get, I'm not going to close. It's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just, I, I know how to talk about the real estate world. I mean, yeah. and there's some tips I can give right now for experts and raising money. Go for um, it. I, I found this to be most effective, uh, is, when you start to understand your craft and you can speak to it with more confidence, when people ask you what you did over the holidays or what you did over the weekend, uh, the normal thing for an introvert and most people to do is just say, Oh, I hang with the family. It was great. Uh, like, like it's, you ever back at work or whatever. Yeah. And it's a, it's just like a nicety. What you can do is just be like, yeah, I hung with the family. It was great, but I, I'm trying to get some time in this weekend because next weekend I'm, I'm researching three markets so I can buy some buildings. Ah, and they're going to come back and say, you're buying buildings. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's not, now it's not selling it's conversation. And then if, that. and then if you did do something that weekend, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of beat. I was uh, at a new market uh, checking out some buildings that uh, we're going to buy because we enter this market this year. You're what? Yeah. What? Huh? Huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> and you can That's, say single, it doesn't have to be buildings. It could be like, I looked at three single family homes to buy and rent out. Like, 
people want to talk about real estate and the weather. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and it's in that order today. Like 10 years ago in 09, it was the weather first and, and then real estate. Now it's real estate, then weather. It, it's amazing. So I'm I'm curious, given you've been in the game 10 years, uh, you own 300 units today, you're you're looking at deals every day. Um you know, how's your crystal ball? What does 2023 through 25 look like? Do you ever think about that or yes, you don't think that all the, time, all the time? All right. Well, let's see how your crystal yeah, ball yeah. is. What are you thinking? Uh, so you want, you want me to think 23, 25. Yeah. So three uh, to five years. Okay. I think, uh, so I'm bullish on multifamily from just the fact of demand will be there. Oh yes. No question. Yep. Agreed. I do think that, uh, Capital. So the, the risk to multifamily is really just uh, a liquidity, a lack of liquidity event. Hmm. So that would like, like it was in, uh, in 2000, like there was lack of refinancing. There was lack of liquidity in the market to get access. So that why there was a problem with refining and things like that. There was then yeah. that okay. caused, there was, there was people that lost their jobs and everything like now you had an economic on top of it or the yeah. other order. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. In multifamily, it's such a strong demand still. So I don't see a crash per se, but I do see a uh, I, I do see that inexperience will be tough to break into. Like banks could could say, like, oh, one year experience, not enough, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you want to get a 300 unit? You only have 150. Sorry. And then you have the big boys uh, coming in and saying, yeah, like they'll call the they'll, the banks will call the big boys and be like, yo, can you help out this situation over here? You won't even know about it. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so I don't. So I I think that. But then there could be the capex tsunami where uh, that creates a plateau with certain deals, and you have to be very very in the market, like yeah. penetrated into the market with your banks, uh, brokers so that you get access to deals and understand how to do sophisticated workouts as a newbie, that would be challenging. Yeah. I'm going to, so sophisticated workouts is, is that's a word I haven't heard, but I think it's exactly where 2023 through 25 is because there's going to be opportunities with debt that was either under raised or, you know, the CapEx tsunami caught them. Uh, That's that's the only way I I can say it. So I think, I think that is, that's very, there's also the possibility of, uh, you know, when I, about a year and a half ago, rates were going all over the place. They were yeah. at like four, 4.95%, 4. even 5.2 or I things remember. like that. And everybody was saying, interest rates are going to go up and they went down. down. Yep. And now we have some reference points to Europe where it's like, oh, maybe we can go lower. Like maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, I'm not saying we can or should. I'm just saying, what if they do? Yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. What if there's a recession blip and the, the, the rates go lower like that would that would bolster asset oh, for prices sure. so but then there is a day of reckoning one Somewhere. day i don't know when that is uh but that's why you have to underwrite and this is not hiding behind spreadsheets but you do have to underwrite your deals to to know what it looks like yeah if a bad day comes and what can your deal survive and for yeah. how long and that takes sophistication well let me throw this one at you because this is what i think is going to catch most syndicators by surprise uh, and again, I only do this from experience. So what I saw as a landlord of multifamily, again, admittedly smaller units, uh, in 2007 is my worst time to be a landlord in apartments because people could get a loan for a single family home that was less than first month rent and deposit. Now it was bad lending and we all know how that ended. But my point is, 
at some point, I believe owner occupancy will rise again, right? It went from 69 to 61 or, you know, whatever. I think if the economy remains strong, interest, remain, interest rates remain low or go lower, mm-hmm. we're eventually going to see those apartment dwellers go, you know what? You know, I forgot about the 08 crash and I'm going to go buy my first home. Okay. And if that happens, uh, occupancy is going to go down. Your rent turns, which is what kills landlords, are going to go up. Um, and I see that as a big risk for 2023 through 25, if the economy stays strong for the next, you know, two to three years. That's that's the big boogaboo. I think if that's a possibility, I would say uh, I'm not going to say that it would counteract it uh, 100%, but I would say that you are having uh, older, like 55 plus. Yeah wanting to be renters so you have to have the right product yeah, to the serve product. up to do that yeah also you have a uh, a gen z that's going to be like a millennial but millennials more millennials will begin to buy houses oh no question but gen z could be like nah i don't want to deal with it so i do think you're going to be uh, buttressed to buy that but i but i do think that you have to be cognizant of that effect 100 percent. like it, it, or if there's political policy and we don't know where it would be Political yeah. policy that says go be homeowners again. You would have to, as a multifamily investor, understand that. That. Oh yeah, for if oh man, you want to you want to hear something that'd be crazy if for whatever reason. And again, I've never heard this, but this could happen. Government came out and said FHA is doing zero zero percent loans for anybody who wants to qualify that's had a job longer than twelve months. You know, something nutty like that. Sure. Whew, man, only multifamily in that market. Oh my God, that would be so crazy. Yeah, you would uh, you would have to you would have to know what levers to pull to 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 counteract that. Yes. Yeah, because that would you, be you would you would want you would actually want to be in markets where the price discrepancy of housing like like housing prices would would have had to been very high, and then hopefully people don't have the down payment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but that would which, which is which is a paradigm problem for a lot of people. Like there are markets where they they can't like the 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 rents are getting so high that they're starting to equal the mortgage amounts, but exactly. coming up with the 30 grand is not possible. No, no. Yeah. That that's, that's the big thing. Like, again, if you want to see a shock again, I've never heard it, but it could happen is again, the government could say, Hey, if you've, we want to get home ownership in the U S back up to 68 or 69%. And we're going to do a zero down uh, mortgage for anybody who has a job longer than 12 months. I mean, it could just, they could create it just out of nowhere. Right. So right. it'll be interesting to see what goes on. Uh, I guess I am curious what, when you say you're looking at markets, right? You have, how many markets are you in? 300 units. Are you in five markets, four markets? No, uh, we're in, uh, well, I guess this would be considered, it would be considered three markets. We have our upstate portfolio, which is where upstate Houses. New York, where I yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the Atlanta, Georgia market that we've been successful in for quite a few years. Yeah. We have gone to Augusta, Georgia market, ah, which is okay. a, a I don't know where people are really considering it these days. I would consider it a secondary market off of Atlanta. Probably. It could be considered a tertiary market depending on who you ask, but we like, we like those markets, but I would look at the, I'm in a different place in my career now where I feel more comfortable not wasting time chasing markets. Yeah. So I I can go into strong markets like Charlotte, uh, various North Carolina, South Carolina. I'm not really a coast guy. Okay. uh, Just because of the cost of insurance. Sure. Um, But some people, have, have solved that and understand that, understand how to mitigate that risk. We choose not to. Yep. Uh, so, but uh, we like those markets. Um, I, I, I think that the Arizona market, but I'm, 
is, is amazing. Uh, there's some, the, the Texas market is crazy. I just, I'm a family man also, man, and I travel a lot and, and you just start doing six hour flights. I give a lot of credit to the people out there that are, that are like the, uh, the plane dogs. No, I did hundred thousand miles a year, almost a decade. And I will never do that again. I freaking <laughs> hate flying. Ugh, I'm a horrible flyer. I like, uh, I like being a dad, you know, it's, uh, like real estate investing gives you that freedom, but there's a lot of like, uh, I mean, as a business owner, you live it. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I'm a dad and a husband and I mean, they can't tell you the amount of times that I'm like glazed over in conversations and it's yeah. so awful to do that to another person. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're traveling and doing all that, I, I just can't do that to my family right now where my company is. If we get, as we get bigger yeah. and we have layers of organization that maybe can do that, I would yeah. be open to it, but I have to be strict on. I like it. I like it. Now, based on the pictures behind you, I'm going to guess you have two children. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a uh, six. And a, I, I, my son's almost turning seven and I have a five and a half year old daughter. Well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so how many, so how often are you on the road these days? Are you twice a week, once, 10 times a month? Or I mean, I don't know how you count it. No, it's usually like, a, I don't, it's not like scheduled like that, but it feels like probably uh, two to three times a month for two days. Okay. Yeah. So that's about as often as I go to my market. I just happen to choose to get in a car. Yeah, I'd yeah. say I'm in my market at least three days a month. But again, you have an infrastructure, you have a team, you can do a lot with phone calls and you know whatever. Yeah, so, I'm good with technology too. I mean, that's that's a piece too that like you can you you, you can uh, shorten the distance sure. between between your teams. I mean, when somebody says like, "Oh, we did we did the unit turn," and you're like. A little week today, you're like, yeah, that turn didn't happen. Like, yeah, go go do a video right now. Yeah, go do a video and show me real time. Like the, the unit number don't have any pause. Yeah, go inside, show it. You can you you have the ability to uh, to to cross check a little quicker. But nothing, man, nothing substitutes the presence. Like we'll show up at we'll show up at a plane ride unannounced, and people are like, whoa. All right, I I absolutely <laughs> believe in unannounced visits. I. Uh, I remember the first time I did that. I'm like, wow, I was just here last weekend and it did not look like this. <laughs> I'm guessing I paid for that cleanup. And uh, this one, this is interesting. I need to go fire this property manager because they lied to me. Uh, with, uh, with, with newbie investors out there, I would say that uh, you have to weigh location, closeness of location very heavily for yourself oh. when you start out. Like I would not worry as much about like cap rates and things like that, unless you're in like a freakish markets, like, like if you're in Metro New York or say Boston, but you can go West enough in yeah. Massachusetts or something like that. Like there are tertiary markets that are selling at six caps and five caps. So yeah. if you're in a true five cap market, isn't location worth the ability to sort of think differently and be like, okay, my cash flow may not be as crazy, but I have the upside. Yeah. Well, I, I live in one of the, the nuttiest markets. I live in the Bay Area, right? And uh, I found a market two and a half hours away by car. Mm. If I can do it, you can do it. That's, that's yeah. what I tell people. I'm like, stop. Okay, great. You live on Park Avenue in New York. Okay, great. Well, get in your car, two and a half hours, see where you can get. Right? Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I forget who says it, uh, but there's somebody out there. I'm going to remember his name after, but he's always saying like, oh, you found the magic market that nobody else found. Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. Chris, this has been so much fun. Why don't you once again give your company name, how they can find you, get a hold of you. Uh, I love what you're doing. You're doing things unique. You're actually going down market. 
uh, you're, you're telling them what's going on, future, future uh, CapEx. So uh, thank you for reaching out. I, I love this conversation. How can they follow you? Yeah, just uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Jackson, Sharpline Equity, uh, Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook community called Multifamily Unveiled. And then you can find us on our website, Sharpline Equity. Excellent, Chris. Well, thank you very much, man. This has been so much fun. You did a great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> you got it.